Remember what the answer was? Yes and no. Good, yeah. Yay, there are people listening. That's, that makes me happier. All right. Uh, so yes and no. We talked about uh, yes, God, like any parent, wants uh, and longs for us to be happiness, to experience his joy. And yet there are times when God doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't want us to be happy at someone else's expense. And he doesn't want us to be happy, so focused on happiness here and pursuing happiness in this world that we miss out on eternal life and his eternal joy and happiness. So a couple of times that God doesn't want us to be happy, and the focus of last week's message was God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. He doesn't want us to be chasing after some elusive thing out there. He wants us to pursue him, and that when we pursue him, we find true and lasting happiness. And, and here's why that is. And, and this is why uh, the kind of the focus of the whole series, really. And the reason why when we find God uh, and, and uh, focus on pursuing him, we find happiness is because of God's divine design. We find the greatest happiness when we live according to God's divine design. There's a divine designer who... Created the world, created you. He knows everything about how he's created you, uh, what he's created you to do and to be. And when we um, live according to his design, then we will find the happiness and joy that we long for. He created the world, and he's the one that knows best for our lives. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about how do we line up our lives with God's divine design. What are some things that we find in his word that if we will live by those, line up our lives with his plan for us, that will make us happier and, and have a more happy life? So today's topic is one of those, um, the ingredients that you find in scripture, uh, probably most frequently, and, and this is it's, it's something that's kind of counterintuitive to what, to what you would normally think. I mean, if you're somebody that's just beginning to follow Jesus Christ, and, and maybe you haven't experienced this, other, others here have, but what we find in God's word is that if we will serve others, we will find a greater uh, happiness. Uh, you'll be happier when your life has meaning, and the greatest meaning comes through serving God and others. That's our focus today. You'll be happier when your life has meaning, when your life has meaning and purpose, when you're making a contribution. Everybody wants their life to make a difference, right? And you'll be happier if your life has meaning, and that meaning comes through serving God and others. When we serve, our lives matter. And, you know, if you make your life all about you, uh, you'll never be happy. Uh, for one thing, no one wants to be around you, right? <laughs> It's just really hard to have a relationship uh, with somebody who's just making everything about them. But you can't make yourself happy no matter how much um, you change your appearance, no matter how much weight you lose or how many gadgets you buy. You cannot exercise your way to happiness. But you can, and some of you already know this, you can serve and volunteer yourself there. Um, there is a connection between happiness and helping. 
And I was doing research on this online this last week, and, and you can Google this too if you just put in, like in the Google search, you know, uh, happiness and, and helping connections or the connection between serving and, and happiness, any of those kinds of Googles, if, Google searches. If you, if you enter something like that, you'll come up with just tons and tons of research that's been done on how um, serving and volunteering and, and helping others actually increases our, our happiness and not only that, but our health. Um, and for instance, the people who reported being happiest with their work were people who were involved in occupations uh, such as caring for others, uh, nurses, doctors, social service, and, and that kind of work, uh, teaching others, whether that's uh, children, adults, whatever, uh, protecting others. Those were the people that reported the greatest happiness with their work. And what they discovered in the, the research was that happiness wasn't so much related to the income. Like if, it doesn't seem to matter how much your income goes up. It's related to having, a, having work that has meaning and purpose and, and adds value to your life and to, to the lives of others. In one of the studies that I was looking at, it was done in the UK, they took like 40 different studies uh, that had been on the, done on the connection between happiness and health, happiness and, and meaning, those kinds of uh, studies, 40 different studies. They took those and they only selected the studies that were done over a long period of time where they tracked these people for at least 20 years. And what they discovered was that people that reported, they, they volunteered. That that was one of the things that they were reporting on, on their uh, poll or whatever, that they served in some significant way. Um, they also reported that they experienced less depression, uh, less heart. Among these people who reported they served, there was less depression, less heart disease, less stress, and, and even less uh, cancer. And so the, there was this connection between that. But in, in addition to that, here's something for all of you who are parents or grandparents. They discovered that um, when teens volunteer uh, and they are s serving in some kind of a significant way, and not just you know once in their high school year because they had a required course or something, you know, when they served consistently, they discovered that teens who volunteered had reported less drug use and un, uh, unplanned pregnancies. And the difference was so significant between the, those that volunteered and the teens that didn't volunteer in some way that the researchers were encouraging parents and saying, even if you have to force your teen to volunteer, uh, you should be making sure that they volunteer because what they discovered was even teens that um, volunteer with a bad attitude uh, get the same benefits from volunteering as other teens were. So this means also that uh, one of the other positive outcomes that came from this that they noticed was, because they were tracking this over a longer period of time, was that these teens who volunteered as youth tended, were more likely to volunteer as adults. And so then they would also experience all the same benefits 
that adults get when they volunteer. And, and that list was uh, pretty uh, long, too. The links between health and happiness um, in those who consistently served in the community in some way uh, were listed as this. Greater psychological well-being, improved physical health. We talked about heart and cancer and that kind of thing. Um, it, it, it actually, serving actually helps release some kind of chemicals, I don't know, that builds up your immune system. Uh, higher self-esteem, greater longevity, of course, if you're physically healthier, and a higher quality of life, just a more positive attitude towards life. Now, here's the thing. Uh, you can look at all of this research, but in the end, it just substantiates what the Bible has taught for thousands of years. We were created. You were designed by a designer to serve others and to care for others. And when we live according to God's design, then we're going to be happier and healthier. You make other people's lives brighter, and, and people get to see the love of God, and God is glorified. Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And we will be the happiest and most like Jesus when we are serving as well. And, you know, our, uh, of course our motive isn't, I'm going to go out and serve so I can be happier. Uh, our motive is, is to serve because it honors God and because uh, that's what he's called us to. But happiness and a richer, more fulfilling life is the natural outcome because that's the way God has designed his kingdom to work. And um, there are several verses in Scripture that you can look at and point to to uh, follow this up with. But one of those is from Proverbs 11.25, and this is our memory verse this week, so let's read it together. Proverbs 11.25, The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Proverbs 11.25, those who bless others are blessed. Those who help others are helped. That's just how God has designed the world to work. And so in the time that we have left, I want to just look at three steps that we can take to help ourselves to happiness. You see what I did there? A little wordplay. <laughs> you know, we like, we like to help ourselves to stuff, right? So we can help ourselves to happiness by helping, helping others. All right, so the first thing um, is to recognize that you have something to offer. You were created with a purpose, and you have something to offer. God's created everybody uniquely. We all have different passions and interests, and, and when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he repurposes your life. He, he changes it from a life that's inward-focused and focused on making me happy, and, and he will open your eyes to see the needs around you, to understand and, and to recognize how he has gifted you and what he has um, put in you to, to do. Uh, look with me at this passage from Ephesians 2.10. If you haven't memorized this one, this is a, a good one to memorize as well. We've had it several times in the past. But For we are his workmanship. We're God's workmanship. He's, he's the one that created us. Uh, and he create, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance for us, uh, us to do. God has something that he has created you for. And, and many of you have already experienced that satisfaction that comes with investing your time and, and your lives in others and expending God's kingdom. Uh, others of you aren't so sure. You, maybe you haven't really stepped out and, and uh, found a place to serve yet. So the second step is important, that you ask God where he wants you to serve. Uh, if you're not sure where to serve, ask God. Uh, and also I would encourage you, sometimes we're serving in areas that you know, just you just come home drained and you don't feel like this is not a good fit for me. Uh, so then begin to pray. Ask God, what did you create me to do? Where, where should I be plugged in? God's the one who created you. He's uniquely wired you. Uh, so ask him to give you eyes to see what he wants you to do and how he wants you to invest your time. And, and you know, that's going to be different for everybody, uh, different but similar in, in some ways, and different at different times in your life. You know, I don't, I don't have any desire right now to, to go take a youth group down the Asabo River and sleep in a sleeping bag on the ground and, you know, get soaked through in a tent that has no floor on it when the rain comes and the flaps are flapping in the middle of the night. I did that at one point in my life. That was how uh, God used me at, at that time when I was uh, younger, more physically able, and not as smart as I am now. But, uh, you know, so God uses us differently at different times in our lives. So even if you've been serving in a way, sometimes it just feels like it's time to serve in a different way. So ask God what it is that he wants you to do. And then... Um, um, you know, you're never too young or too old to serve. And I'm, I'm, I've been amazed, you know, we have this right now media that we make available to everybody in the church if you don't have access to that and would like to uh, contact me. But I was watching some of the videos on there on serving to see if there was a video, and I was amazed at how many young people are making huge impact in the world. Uh, there was one about a, a young man who started an organization, Hoops for Hope. He saw the problem with uh, HIV and orphaned kids in Africa, and he wanted to help orphaned children. And so he, he came up with this idea. He was going to go to the basketball court and shoot hoops, and he got sponsors to do that. And he raised $4,000 shooting hoops. And the idea kind of caught on, and other youth started doing it, and he's raised over $2 million dollars to put in wells and to build orphanages and schools and, and stuff in Africa. This is a, a teenager who, you know, started this as a teen. And uh, we're going to watch the story of a guy called Zach Hunter and uh, his story. And, but there's uh, lots of stories out there. It's just opening up your mind, your heart, and asking God, help me to meet a need and show me how to creatively do that. And this is a young man who did it. Basically, my whole life, I'd had kind of a strong sense of justice, where if, if someone was being mistreated or someone was knocked down on the playground, I'd want to go help them back up and then, you know, do what I could do about the person who knocked them down. <laughs> and that was just something that had been kind of kind of built into me, uh, not really trained into me, but I felt like I was born with that extra strong sense of justice. Um, 
So, you know, learning about, about slavery in school was really hard for me because I just got really, really angry about it, about the fact that, you know, one group of people would think it was okay to own another group of people based on the color of their skin. And that just blew my mind. And when I found out that, um, that there are more than 27 million people in slavery around the world today, I just kind of realized, wow, you know, there's still something for me to do. I still can actually make an impact in the world. A quote from one of my favorite movies, Amazing Grace, um, uh, William Pitt, in that um, in this one clip says, we are too young to realize that certain things are impossible, so we will do them anyway. And I think that was definitely my mentality at the time, where I just decided, you know what, um, this is an impossibly huge problem, and I'm not, you know, so delusional that I think that I can end modern-day slavery, but I know I can do something. So basically, I talked to my friends, talked to the leaders at my school, the adults, and um, said, this is what I want to do. I want to raise money, loose change, to end modern-day slavery. And I started a campaign called uh, Loose Change to Loosen Chains. It's an open-source, fund and awareness-raising campaign um, for students. And basically, with the campaign, the students would take over the school or the church or whatever their community group is and speak to the group about modern-day slavery, about the fact that these are kids our age and people your age who are in slavery, physically enslaved, being beaten, some little girls being forced to be prostitutes, just terrible, horrendous situations. Um, but, you know, saying there's hope, there's something that we can do, uh, and raising loose change, basically, because everyone has loose change. Nobody really wants it, <laughs> and this is, this is a good use for it. So, um, yeah, that's basically the premise. It's completely student-led, and to empower um, my generation and kids, you know, younger than me, like when I started, the campaign to realize that they can do something and have a physical, literal impact uh, on the suffering in the world. I remember the first Loose Change, Loose Change campaign we did, we broke the change counting machine at, at our bank probably three or four times. So each time we came in the door, they're kind of like, oh no, it's that kid again, buckets of change, um, which I'm okay with. Um, but basically, uh, get that change made into cashier's check and send that check to one of five nonprofit organizations that we support that are physically freeing people from slavery around the world. And that money goes to pay for investigators, and they go in and document the case, and then uh, take, that, take that evidence to the local police, raid the place where people are being held, um, and get them out and arrest the bad guys, take them to court. Uh, the money that is raised would also pay for the lawyers who would prosecute the perpetrator, get them put behind bars, um, and the money also pays for um, aftercare for the people who are freed from slavery so they can rehabilitate themselves and hopefully um, begin living normal lives like every human has a right to. And really, uh, my ministry has grown to be more than loose change, loose chains, and more than me, really. Um, it's, it's more now about um, helping people find their passion. You know, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's modern day slavery or if it's um, you know, helping raise money to dig wells in Africa, or helping people in your own community. Um, there's hurting everywhere, and we can basically be the solution, be the healing for the hurting in the world. All right, be the healing for the hurting in the world. And you know, the possibilities today are, are endless as far as the ways that you can serve, I mean, there's so much hurting, right? I mean, and, and there are, 
whether it's elderly people and you have a heart for them and you want to start a ministry in a care home or something, or if it's uh, children who need tutoring or uh, people who don't have the basic resources that they need for food and clothing, you know, there are places that, that you can serve and, and get um, plugged into and be used by God. So pray and ask God to show you uh, a creative solution to need. And, you know, it, it can be in around the world, it can be in the community, it can be right here in the church. Maybe you see something that's uh, not working the way that you wish it would or whatever, or that we could be more effective in reaching out in some way or whatever the, the need is. Uh, ask God to give you a creative way to get involved. And that's the third step. Get involved. Help yourself to happiness. Uh, find a place to serve consistently. And, and that was one of the, the keys, really, in that um, research that I was talking about earlier was the consistency of serving. It wasn't people that did it here and there. It was some. It were people that served every week or biweekly where they were making a difference in a meaningful way uh, consistently. And, you know, everybody can do something. You're, you're never too old. You're never too young. You can, even if it's writing notes of encouragement to people. When you get involved, you benefit. The kingdom of God becomes more and more visible around us and God is glorified. In big and small ways, you can make a difference. First uh, Corinthians 15:58 says, "So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. God uses it all. Whatever you offer, He will use it in some way if you will step out in faith and get involved. And, you know, I picked the topics for this message series before I start the series because I, I need to know how many weeks am I going to talk and, and that kind of thing. But then I decided to use this topic this week because this is World Communion Sunday. And, and it's a Sunday when we are especially outward focused and have a global uh, view of things. And, and so... Um, Hate it when that happens. <laughs> and you know, at an annual conference, somebody's phone always goes off. And so then that's, you see pastors and people uh, scrambling all over, like, oh yeah, I forgot to turn mine off. And they're the person. But anyway, uh, anyway, so I, I picked it for this week be, because we it's an opportunity for us to think again more globally. What is my part in the body of Christ as I'm bringing the good news to the world through my words and my actions. And, you know, we all have something to offer. We live in a world of great need. And we're going to close with a video this morning that reminds us to open our eyes and get involved in making a difference. So let's watch one more video. I think the world needs a pep talk. I need you to look, people. Look with your eyes. This is where we live. A good place. Look around you. What do you see? Volcanoes. Sunset. Justin Timberlake's teeth. Looks like perfect. But I'm telling you, world, we got some work to do. Open your eyes. How cool is it that we're all alive on the same planet at the same time? I think it's time that we start making cool stuff happen. On the planet we live on, there's poverty, hunger, injustice. The world is full of awesome. It's also full of not 
On the planet we live on, there's also potential possibilities. Puppies. Yeah, Sam, puppies. Ah, I'm getting distracted. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're all here. We're all going to make a difference. It can be easy to get overwhelmed. Feel like you can't do anything. That's why we have each other. You know, there's lots of bad stuff in the world. This is Darko here. And there's me. Time to set some goals. I'm not talking squad goals. I'm talking global goals. All of y'all. The whole world. This is my squad goal. What the world needs is love, and also an end to extreme poverty, eliminating inequality, fixing our planet. That's why we got you. That's why we have each other. That's why we got goals, global goals. Together, we're louder. Together, we're brighter. Together, we're good. That isn't a word. Global goal number four, education. Talk about school, I got to tell you something. School cafeterias can be scary places. Where do I sit? Where do I not sit? Where's the cool table? Let me tell you something. The cool table is wherever you are. In the lunchroom of the world, there shouldn't be a cool table. Nope. The whole lunchroom should be one big cool table. A big table. A table where everybody's invited. Where everybody has a seat. Where everybody has enough. That's the kind of table that I want to be at. That's the kind of world I want to live in. That's the kind of world that we're building. Because of people like you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Let's live in a world where awesome is celebrated every day. Where people treat people like they're people. Those are my kind of people. So get out there. And if you find yourself feeling like it's too tough, remember, you're not alone. There's lots of people at the table. And it's a cool table. Open your eyes. You'll see. That's the table we're celebrating this morning. The table of the Lord that's open to everyone. And this morning we also have the opportunity of welcoming uh, two new members into this fellowship in our table. So if I can have Nick and Kayla come as we uh, receive them into membership this morning. <clears throat> 